I'm going to continue uh, my series, Experiencing God, and tonight I'm going to begin to talk about the ministry of His Spirit, the ministry of His Spirit. And in order to do justice to this subject matter, I, I think it's important, first of all, that we get a good glimpse of the Trinity at work, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, in verse 16 and 17, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is a picture of the Trinity, and we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is the one uh, was uh, <clears throat> that was being baptized by John. So Jesus is being immersed into the water. The heavens are opened up, and he saw the Spirit of God descending. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Now, those weren't his natural eyes that were beholding the Spirit of God, but he was seen over into the realm of eternity, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove or in like manner like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven declaring and proclaiming or saying, this is my beloved son, so this is the Father. So there you see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all working together as one. And then my next text is Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. And this is part of Jesus' commission to us as his disciples and as his people. He says, go therefore, in verse 19, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Once again, we see Jesus acknowledging the Father and also uh, the work that he had accomplished as the Son and then the ministry or the person of the Holy Spirit. And then in John's Gospel, chapter 14, John's Gospel, chapter 14, in the 16th verse, reads, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The I in verse 16 is Jesus in reference to the Father, and the helper is the Holy Spirit. And now in Acts chapter 10, just continue to turn to the right, Acts chapter 10, and I'll give you a moment to find that opening. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. The reason that I'm just taking a moment to lay this foundation of the Trinity is so that we can see the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working in regards to salvation and the plan of salvation for mankind. And we're going to see the significance of that here as we get more into our study. But Acts 10.38, once again, this is another witness of the Trinity working together. How God, that's talking about the Father, anointed Jesus of Nazareth, that's the Son, with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, just keep moving to the right. This is a benediction or the last words of the letter of the Apostle Paul 
to the Corinthians. And he makes this declaration in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, that's the God, the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Uh, scripture says that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word or every sound teaching or doctrine needs to be established. One of the doctrines that's really being questioned amongst fundamental evangelicals or even Christians is the validity of the Trinity. And it's important that we have an understanding of the work of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and each and every one of their uh, roles and responsibilities within the salvation and redemption of humanity. And I've used this phrase throughout the years to try to help us to understand the work of the Father and His ministry as well as the Son and the Spirit is that God the Father had the plan of salvation. Jesus came and fulfilled the plan and accomplished the work of the Father in saving mankind. And the Holy Spirit is here to reveal or to make known that plan. And all three work together. Now, I want to take you back to one more setting and let's go back to the book of Genesis chapter 1, if you would please. Genesis chapter 1. And I know this is a, a familiar chapter as we begin to look at the history of creation, but sometimes uh, we miss some of the details uh, in, in our reading. So I want to bring something out. And it said in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So here we see, it says, in the beginning God, the word God here is Elohim, it's a plural, and it's speaking of the Trinity or the Godhead. Now, if we get into the book of Proverbs, it talks about the Son delighting in the creation of the Father and that Jesus was also very active during creation and during the creation or the formation of the world and uh, as we know it uh, today. And this is, this, is, this is important because while the Trinity has an element of a mystery about it, the more that we learn about the Father and the Son and the Spirit, we begin to solve that mystery because we get insight or understanding. If uh, I was an investigator and I was trying to solve a murder case, I would need clues. I, I would need to have some testimonies. I would need to know the backstory. Uh, I, I would want to know as much as I could so I could begin to put together a case or build a case. And so it is with our faith. And the more we know about who the Father is, who the Son is, and who the Spirit is, then the better we're going to be able to witness or testify of who they are and their work in the life of humanity. And, and sometimes I, I think we're really good at answering the questions correctly, but... Christianity is not about getting all of the Bible answers correct, but it's about knowing God. 
And it's about fellowshipping with him. And it's about becoming more at home with him working in our lives. And there are many people that I know that grew up in denominations and remember Bible quiz days and you'd drop your kids off at 2 o'clock in the afternoon at the church and they'd be there till 5 and you thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread because, you know, you had an in-house babysitter and they do Bible quizzes for three hours. But they could know the letter of the law and never know the spirit and they can miss out on life. And they can get locked down in legalism. And there's a lot of Christians today that are legally, they can answer or, or correct, I mean correct, they can they answer all the questions correctly, but they have no expression of the spirit, no expression of life or liberty. And uh, one man says that, you know, they're dry as cracker juice and sour as sour tomatoes. I, I don't eat sour tomatoes. Maybe that's pretty bad. But I know dry as cracker juice is pretty dry. I mean, that's not much life emanating from that poor little cracker. And we don't want to be those people. So we want to understand the ministry of God's spirit. And in order to do that, we have to first establish that he is co-equal in the plan of salvation, just like the father and the son. And, and sometimes we're very comfortable in talking about the father and the son because those roles are ones that we see active in our society. We see fathers and sons. But when we talk about the third person of the Trinity, we're talking about someone that is known as the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, and we're going to get into some of the other titles but we're not quite sure what to relate or how to relate or how to correlate his ministry as comfortably as we are a father and a son. Does that make sense? And because of that, many times people relegate the ministry in the person of the Holy Spirit to an experience instead of a person of God that wants to relate the will of God to us, and wants to work the will of God through us. So we, we sometimes classify the Holy Spirit as an experience, like I was filled with the Holy Spirit. But that's a one-time experience. Are you continually filled? That's like saying, I ate a week ago. But yeah, you haven't eaten since. We need to get you some food. In the same way, I, I feel or my heart goes out to believers that said, yeah, I remember one time I had an experience with the Holy Spirit, but I'm like, yes, you're supposed to experience the Holy Spirit, but it's not an experience that you're after. You're after wanting to know Him like you know the Father and the Son. And probably there's more teaching in the New Testament about the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit than what we've realized. And so I, I just want to give you a snapshot. Is that okay? I, I'm not going to give you... Uh, we're not going to go to any more references right now, but I want you to listen to some of the things that I'm going to be sharing about his ministry because Jesus thought it was so important for us to know about the Spirit that he spent the last hours of his life teaching the disciples along those lines. And we know that Jesus' last words are very weighty and important. So... 
Jesus taught primarily about the Holy Spirit from John 14 through John 17. That's known as the Upper Room Discourse, and that took place on the night of his crucifixion. And he helped prepare his disciples for his ministry. And I believe that we need to understand who he is, and therefore we can become more at ease with him. Some people believe the Holy Spirit is just a manifestation, like a physical manifestation, like speaking in tongues, or someone falling out in the Spirit, or someone being overjoyed and running in the power of the Spirit. And all of those are biblical expressions. But for some people, they're really concerned about yielding to the Spirit because He might have me do something that I'm really not that comfortable doing. But if you talk about the Father or the Son, sometimes we don't have those hang-ups. Are you tracking with me? And we're like, well, the Father loves me, and Jesus loves me. But the Holy Spirit, well, He might have me do some... But He's just like the Father and the Son. And so we need to become more acquainted with Him and His ministry in our lives because when we do so, we're a much better witness for the glory of God. So here we go. Are you ready? All right, the Holy Spirit, I'm going to talk about Him as a person. So here are some of the things that He does. He strives with sinners. He teaches He testifies about the Father and the Son. That means he's a communicator. He's a revealer. He reproves, he guides, he comforts, he brings things to our remembrance, and he shows us things to come. He helps us with our infirmities. He intercedes for the saints. He helps us to mature or develop, or he's the one that helps to clean us up and sanctify us. He bears witness with our spirit, He commands us. He reveals truth to us. Now, I want to stop there, and I want to interject another member of the Trinity into those same qualities, and I want you to pay attention to how you think when I say this. Because how we think when someone is communicating the Word of God reveals to us whether we're open or closed to it. When I say everything that I just said about the Holy Spirit, we're like, how's he do that? How's he do that? When's he going to do that? How's he going to experience that? And our mind can start to go. But what if I said this? Jesus strives with sinners. Jesus teaches. Jesus testifies about the Father. Jesus reproves. He guides. He comforts. He brings things to our remembrance. He helps us. He shows us things to come. He strengthens us in our infirmities. He's praying for us. He helps us to get clean. He bears witness with us. He commands us. No, everyone's like, yes, that's Jesus. But if you say that about the Holy Spirit, everyone's like, whoa, that's a little different. That's a little, did you catch that in your own thinking a little? What if I put this? The Father strives with sinners. He's a communicator. He testifies of the Son. 
He reproves us and guides us, comforts us. He helps us by bringing things to our remembrance. He'll show us things to come. He helps us with our weaknesses and infirmities. He loves us. He's reproving us. He commands us. Everyone says, yes, he's a good father. So I believe that just as we have become more comfortable with the father and the son, let's purpose to become more comfortable with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think I've got this right. Francis Chan wrote a book. Probably it's 10 years old now. Called the unforgotten God. Or called the, yeah, the forgotten God. And he talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you don't have that, it's a good read. The Forgotten God by Francis Chan. Pick it up. You can get it at any of your retailers or bookstores. All right, let me give you another bite about the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? Okay. He is susceptible to personal treatment. He can be lied to. He can be resisted. He can be blasphemed. He can be grieved. He can be quenched. You can't do that to an experience. You can only do that to a person. All right. Here's something else about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is eternal, which means he's omniscient, he's omnipotent, and he's omnipresent. He is humble and self-effacing, never speaks about himself. He's come to testify of the Father and the Son. Here's something that helps us to understand that he's a person. He has a mind, a will, and emotions. In Romans, it says, who knows the mind of the Spirit? He has a mind. He has a will. And his will is to reveal the Father and the Son, as well as to convict the lost of their need for Christ, as well as to help the believers to grow in Christ. He's committed to both of those ministries. And he has emotions. In other words, if you can grieve somebody or quench or resist them, then they have emotions. He is referred to, and I gave reference to this earlier, in four different ways in the New Testament. He is the Spirit of God. He is the Spirit. He is the Spirit of Christ. He is the Comforter. I'm going to give you one more little caveat, and then I'm going to stop tonight. Is that fair? All right. Here are some ways that he is known. These are ways that perhaps he reveals himself. He is known in the New Testament as the spirit of grace. He is the spirit of life. He's the spirit of adoption. He's the spirit of holiness. He's the spirit of supplication. He's the spirit of truth. And he's the spirit of glory. Now, there's no mistake that there are seven ways in which I just identified that he is known in the New Testament. Seven is the number of 
So we would say he's perfect. The Holy Spirit is perfect. He fits right into our life in a perfect way. But because we have relegated him to a, a experience, we're missing out on the experience of knowing him. Now, Charlene and I have had a lot of experiences. We went to Hawaii on our honeymoon. I can thank my dad for that. Dad got the tickets and took care of the hotel bill and gave us some cash and said, go have fun. We didn't need much encouragement. We were going to have fun, right? That was an experience. If I relegated my marriage to an experience, then I never have the experience of having a healthy marriage because I never value the time that I have with her day in and day out doing ordinary things in life. And so it is sometimes with people in the Holy Spirit. Do you know that there are people that I call them Holy Ghost hijackers? They will go to the ends of the earth to find a meeting, to find a speaker, to find a place where they believe the Spirit of God is working and they forgot that He's omnipresent. They will go to the ends of the earth and spend a lot of money for someone to tell them something when they forgot the Holy Spirit is omniscient and all-knowing. Now, I'm not saying that going to special meetings or sitting under anointed teaching is improper. But if that's the way that you relegate your relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, then you're missing out on the day in and day out joy of experiencing God. Because He comforts us, He guides us, He helps us, He brings things to our remembrance. Anybody lose keys besides me? He knows where they're at. He's a a companion. And I'm going to finish by saying this, and then I'm going to read these to you one more time. He is exactly to us what Jesus was to the disciples. Exactly. That's why Jesus said it's so important that I fulfill my part of the plan of salvation because if I don't, the Spirit won't come. But when the Spirit comes, He's going to do all these wonderful things. Just like I have done all these things with you and for you, these three and a half years, he is going to be with you, listen, forever. You don't have to go find God on a mountain or in a convention. You can find him on your knees in your own home, in your own car, every single day. Why? Because the Holy Spirit now lives in you. We'll pick up there next week. He lives in you. And this is where I'm going to go next week, so maybe this will whet your appetite. And then I'll read these again. So the praise and worship team can go up. Getting ready to phase into school, so I want to honor everyone's time. Has this been a good beginning of this? All right. The Holy Spirit in us wants wants our understanding to be like 
He is at home with us. He treats us like a house, not a hotel. The Holy Spirit comes and abides in you like a home. And that's where he works is in your heart. And then it shows up in fruit in your life. The fruit of the spirit is the evidence of him indwelling my house. He's not checking in and checking out. He's with us always. And I want you to imagine and just begin to see the possibility of you becoming more comfortable with the Spirit, just like you're more at home with the Father and the Son. I believe teaching helps us to get to that place. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.